man, I'm getting so good at those music cues. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast, Forums Edition. I'd like to thank the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Learn Pro Poker, Website Amp, and the Small Small Business Community for sponsoring this podcast. And I'd like to thank this wonderful group of uh, poker players who have come to join me to talk about poker, my favorite thing in the whole darn world, other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm Jim Reed. You can find me on Twitter at Hold'em underscore Steelers. I'm Blusterini in the home games. And uh, Chris Jones is next in line. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5 by 5 on Twitter and the Poker Stars home game. And I am John Somsky, and I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Rossum. I'm Rabman50 everywhere. And just like every week, we are playing against each other in the nightly rec poker home game. Someone just took some chips away from Rob, which makes, just makes life easier for everybody else. So we appreciate <laughs> that. And just like every week, we're going to take one discussion post from the rec.poker forums and talk about it here on the show. Uh, this week, we're joined by a special guest two weeks in a row, Kim Petvet. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking I'm, forward. All right. I'm Kim. I'm Fergie 56 on the home games and pet vet everywhere else. And, and I'm happy to be here. I, I don't want to break any news, but I, this is one of our other Canadian members. So I just want you guys to know we're, we're taking over. We're two out of five right now. So take that, folks. So here we are. We've got a post. This week we're talking about um, bet sizing. We've got a post from E. Anderson 85, uh, Eric Anderson, who is a stalwart here at the uh, Rec Poker Forums. And he says that this is a bad beat, but that's not what it's about. He promises. So this is ta bet, uh, talking about bet sizing. So he was studying called float bets this morning. And he wants to know, given the situation, given the action, what should the sizing have been? Uh, so he, Hero wakes up with King King, which is obviously a great place to be. And uh, they're pretty deep, I think, with a couple small stacks uh, in there. And the Hero is playing out of the small blind uh, with 98 big blinds. So the action comes around to middle position plus one, who raises to two and a quarter big blinds. Uh, the button calls, and Hero has an opportunity to now call or raise. So just right there, um, there's a raise and a call. We're out of position with King King. Feels like, uh, I, don't, I don't like to use mandatory often, but this feels like a mandatory three bet. Does anybody wanna argue for any other action? Look, doesn't look like it. So I think that's another one of those general rules we love <laughs> around here. If you get a chance to squeeze with King King in a spot like this, you probably should. Um, and then when it comes to sizing, uh, Hero raises to 8.93, which is, uh, and he's got a little formula down here uh, where he talks about the multiplier of the original open size and then the dead money in there and then like adding a big blind. Uh, and, and when he does that math, it comes out to a little over 10 big blinds, which I think is closer to the sizing I would use in a spot like this. Uh, what do you guys have? Does anyone have an immediate response when it comes to just talking about three-bet sizing in a spot like this? It's a squeeze spot. You're out of position. Uh, where, where would you typically want to raise to here? 
Um, I personally okay. would, I personally, especially out of, sorry, Chris, do you want to go no, ahead? No, 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 you go, you go for it. I was going to say, because I answered on the post, that being out of position is, is you really want to raise bigger. And these are really deep stacks they're playing in this game. I think they were close to 100 big blinds or 80 big blinds deep. So I think uh, that you really want to put your opponents to a significant decision here and raise in the neighborhood of like, you know, 11, 12 big blinds. Uh, you've got the flat collar in there that you have to take into consideration. And they're getting such good odds that I'm surprised they didn't both, wouldn't both call mm. with just that smaller raise. Couldn't have said it better myself. More. <laughs> yeah, last week when we were talking with Kim about donk betting, we talked about how uh, a very small bet or raise really doesn't put your opponent to a difficult decision. It's sort of like a trivial decision to just continue in the hand. And I think when they get to play in position um, by only adding, I don't know, something like six big blinds to it here, you're, you're going to get some folds, but they're the kind of hands that, you'd rather stick along, stick around. Like they're going to be those worse opens that he has, like the King 10 offsuit, some of the hands that you have dominated. Um, and I think you'd be, I think you're, you're better off with the bigger sizing here, I guess is the, <laughs> is the consensus. So here we go. In this particular case, uh, middle position one folds and the button calls the extra 6.6 uh, big blinds. So the flop comes, there are 22 big blinds in the pot. The flop comes seven of clubs, four of clubs, eight of clubs. And did we have the king of clubs? Let's just double check here. Yes. We did. Yes. So this is such an interesting spot. Monotone flop. We've got an over pair with a redraw to the second uh, nut flush. And we have three bet. What is our play on this particular flop in this spot? Take it, Kim. What do you got? Uh, this is usually a spot where you're either way ahead or way behind, mm. in my opinion. So I think in that in this position, being out of position, I would always check this flop, especially since I have the king of clubs in my hand. Um, I'm going to look, look to being check calling. Um, I would never check raise. And depending on the size, I may even check fold. I think this flop is better for our opponent. They have all the sets in their range and all the straights in their range. So just want to talk. The, even in the ace high flushes in their range. So I just want to, for some of our listeners, you said that we've got the king of clubs, which makes you less inclined to act aggressively with it. Can you just talk a little, because I think some people would say, oh, I've got the king of clubs. Like I've got a redraw here. I've got an overpair. This is exactly the kind of spot I want to be getting chips. And could you just talk a little bit about why that actually may, might make you decide to play this more passively or slower? I would pay it, pay it, play it passively anyway, but it makes a difference between check calling and check fold. Okay. <laughs> And just so just elaborate on that a little or chris if you want to well I, I that would be one point where i would i would play it slightly different if i had two red kings here i would uh be c betting this hand but if i because i have the king of clubs i'm checking it and the reason is because if my two red kings there's a lot of hands i can fold out on this board the monotone board is going to be scary to my opponent but there's a lot of hands they're going to continue with and they've got a lot of strong hands in their range if i get check raised with my two red kings i'm not 
I'm not in a world of hurt. I can easily fold that. It's fine. But if I get check raised with the king of clubs, now I'm in this well, but I got the redraw. I'm like talking myself into making bad calls. And suddenly I'm getting into like digging. My, so like, I don't want to mess with that at all. That's why I'm checking it. I'm getting uh, and if they check through, great. I might, I might continue on a turn depending on what that turn is. But um, that king of clubs gives me that fallback, but it's also a hand that I, I this is not a hand I want to play for stacks. Uh, we have a pretty mm. marginal spot here. It's, you know, we start off, we're like all excited. We got the Kings. We got the Kings. Yay. Let's go. Let's get stacks in. This flop has changed that plan entirely. We do. We don't want that to happen. We want to navigate this hand towards a pretty cheap showdown. If we can, uh, we, and unless we hit that club and we don't want to, we don't want to have sort of put many barriers between us trying to draw to that club. If we think that's our only way of winning this hand. So, um, so I'm I'm I do not want to be check raised with that king of clubs in my hand. I really like that. I especially when you say with the two red kings, and I'm assuming you're check, you're, you're uh, bet betting, and you're not going to call a raise. Yeah, I'm betting small, and I'm folding to to a check raise. And would would that would would it who was in the button affect that at all? Like. I, I know we're, I am kind of getting you both ways. So I'm saying a in a vacuum and now I'm saying not in a vacuum. Um, but like I, I'm often these monotone, these monotone flops. Every time I'm in position, I'll just tell you, if you want to beat me at poker, every time I'm in position, if I have the aggression, I'm always betting a third pot a hundred percent of the time, almost no matter what I have. Um, it, it, and if someone depending on who does that to me, I might be more inclined to just show over time. <laughs> you know, whether, whether I, whether I feel like, because I, I, I think they're well, doing it a hundred percent of the I time mean, as well, you know, monotone boards are the sort of ultimate, I mean, even more than a paired board, I think they're the ultimate chicken board. Like, yeah. like you either have it or you don't. Right. And like, and, and, and there's very few, like, you know, like you either have the nuts or you don't. Right. And so, um, they are boards that can lead to that sort of like leveling war and that aggression war because like anybody can sort of like say, yeah, but do you really, but do you really? And like, <laughs> so yeah, you can do that. But I mean, I think that um, what, what I think the, the reality is, is that people don't play them as aggressively, maybe even as they should um the that they are scary boards for a lot of reasons um and you know, people tend to play them passively so i i think the odds of you getting check raised a lot on that board are are low um, or just raised i guess yeah right or raised right yes yeah, right right position, yeah. right so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I like leading small with with the uh, with the red kings, and I like uh, I like checking with the the king of clubs. But so it's kind of a one and done type of bet on this yeah. board. Yeah, yeah. And because because of the I, monotone boards are the best boards to bet small on because yes. um, you're gonna learn a lot about your opponent's hand. And I think most players, unless you're up against a really sophisticated opponent, they're really inelastic to sizing in terms of like how they're going to respond to a small bet on a monotone board. Because they're either going to 
have it or not, and they're either going to raise you or not. And you can learn a lot, to, by the way, and you don't need to invest a lot of your stack to find out where your opponent stands on those boards. Yeah, it was so, funny. Funny you were saying how people play them cautiously. And even if you have the flush, you're, you're, you don't want to chase your opponent away. You know, you want to keep him in there with that flush draw if you've already got the main flush. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you might make that bet and the guy with the flush is just going to call. You Unless know, it's just, a real low one. Yeah, well, yeah, if you had two, three of spades or something. <laughs> you know, you but yeah, I think that's a but, good point. But that's, you know, people are going to play it slowly whether they have it or not or whether they're representing it or not because they're, they don't want to chase their uh, potential mm-hmm. money away. And that's a great point, Chris. We Just to take everyone behind the, the curtain a little, we were just taping the podcast with uh, Michael Acevedo, and he was saying specifically on paired boards, you know, the solver GTO solution is if you're in position with initiative, just to min bet one big blind, no matter what the pot is on those uh, paired boards, that King Jack Jack kind of example, because you can elicit the same response with a very small bet that you can with very big bets. And I think the monotone flop is another example of that where, you know, people get scared. They, they don't continue with a minimum defense frequency. They just continue with the hands that they think can improve. And that's a very small portion of their range at that point. So if you can leverage those kind of folds with a small bet, there's no reason to make a bigger bet when you're only ever going to be behind when that action continues. Um, so I think that's, so, so let's get, let's actually try and answer Eric's question here a little bit. So pre-flop, I think we all agree 11 or 12 big blinds is better as a, as a range sizing for the, for what you're going to be doing there in every spot. And then, uh, what was it on the flop here? So the flop comes club, 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 and hero leads about half pot into it. So do we think that there is a sizing that's appropriate for this, or do we just think this plays better as a check or what's our take on that? So if I was going to lead, I would lead small. I would lead that same sort of 25 to 30% pot type bet. Um, I, I, I think a check is a, is a preferable play here, but I would lead small on this board. And I think that one of the things there is you kind of have to wonder what what is your opponent continuing with? Because if you're going to lead small enough that they're getting the right odds to call with a flush draw, then you might as well just check. Like if you're not actually going to fold out any of those hands. And with exactly a hand like pocket kings, you don't really care if a random queen or jack or 10 comes uh, because that's not going to be an over pair. That's not going to be an over card to your pair. Like maybe if you were in here with what was the flop again, like seven, eight, four or something. If you were in there with, you know, top pair and half the deck was an overcard, um, you've got more to protect against, even if we're not talking about flushes, if you're trying to actually protect your equity in the hand. But even then, you know, ha- the problem with King King on a, on a flop like this is one pair is not likely to win the hand by the time the hand's over. And it doesn't really matter it, it, how strong your hand is on the flop. What matters is, is this the kind of hand where a one pair hand is going to win at showdown? And if not, you're really just bluffing or bluff catching. And so pocket Kings can turn into a marginal holding really quickly with or without that King of clubs. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, just I was going to say, like, and as you know, as this hand continues to progress, it becomes less important that we have kings and more important that we have the king of clubs. Mm. Like the the fact that we have kings toward the as this hand progresses almost is irrelevant. Like we're we're losing to all value. So yep. um, we're just at that. If we could, if we keep continuing this hand, we're just hoping to spike a club basically. And that's going to be the case. We can extrapolate from that guys. Cause th- that's going to be the case in a lot of spots where you've got a dynamic flop like this and you've got a, a, a one pair hand like that. It, this comes up a lot where you're out of position. You've got a, a what, it, what by the end of the hand will be a marginal holding. And it, these are rarely spots where you want to be increasing the size of the pot on the flop. Typically what you want to do, like, well, what you're going to do is you're going to create a bigger pot for someone to take away from you later um, when they have you beat. And, and it's going to be hard to make a bet big enough to actually elicit the folds that you want to get from them. It, it just seems like one of those spots where you need to recognize that by the time the hand is over, one pair is not going to be strong enough to get three streets of value. And so you got to choose your streets or, or choose your choose your sizing. So as as it's played out, um, we get to the turn. There's two players left. Uh, Forty five in the pot. Uh, hero, the nine of spades comes, which is uh, pretty bricky. But uh, what was the original flop? Um, all I'm seeing is di- dinosaurs and big question marks. Uh, four seven eight of clubs, four, and seven, now we eight. have the okay. nine of spades. So it does kind of straighten out a little bit. Um, thank you, John. thank you. And uh, hero now, so now hero checks, and the button shoves, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, where when you check here, you're also kind of capping your range a little bit, and you're a lot of the hands that are. How many hands do you have that are three betting preflop and continuing on the monotone board, and then checking here that? can respond that can call a shove i'm just trying to do some quick range work in my mind and like most of those hands are going to be in a bad spot by the time the uh the turn player wakes up now in this case uh they shoved hero called and uh the river came uh jack of hearts and it was irrelevant the uh villain had picked up a second pair nines and sevens on the turn to beat the one pair um, king. So what, what are you guys thinking in that spot? Um, on the turn there, you check facing the shove. What's going through your minds? Holding king, king on that, on that run out. I mean, I'm still feeling my nice sense of entitlement for having <laughs> Uh, yes, <laughs> I suffer from this a lot. <laughs> Me too. My kings and aces. Yeah, they're just supposed to win. Especially when you've got that fourth club, right? Because now nine, you're really supposed to win, right? And the nine just looks bad. It's it hits it coordinates more with the board, and it's you know when they shove, it's I, this, I don't know. Yeah, this is a massive overshove too. Like, I mean, that's the thing I think we have to talk about too. I mean, it's we have a pot of forty-five blinds, and they've just shoved for eighty-three. I think mm. is what the post says. Yeah, so, it's almost twice. I mean, it's almost a two x overshove. Um, 
What actually, are, seventy-seven effective. Oh, effective. Okay, seventy. Well, still, it's it's almost still a two big. X over shove. It's still a massive shove here. Yeah. What what do our kings beat? So again, I I think at this point, like here, the question I uh, would ask myself here is like, because I there are very few bluffs I can really like think about in this range. It is possible some players might get really kind of antsy with some sort of ace of clubs X kind of holding like an ace queen with the ace of clubs maybe they're bluffing with that kind of holding like maybe but most of villains range that's a small part of their range most of their range right now is value all of which beats us so the only thing that matters anymore is that we have the king of clubs the rest of i think that like we might as well have like think of this hand becomes king of clubs, queen of spades or king of clubs, queen of hearts, right? Like that's what we're saying. Should I call with the king of clubs here? Because I, we can't, I can't think of a value hand that we beat. So, and there's, and I don't think, I think villain is weighted heavily towards bluffs or towards value. Um, so I think for those two reasons, I think this is, this has got to be a fold and because of the size of the bet, but Mm. that's my take well it's it's one of those spots where you're you're in this condensed part of your range now even though you were near the top of your range pre-flop just because of the uh texture of the board the fact is you're just you you don't have a you don't have a value hand anymore and so chris's point is excellent that it really comes down to how many bluffs do they have relative to how many value hands they're shoving here that they wouldn't have shoved on the flop um and I think just combinatorically, you end up with more value hands than than I think makes it profitable to call. Now, I think, you know, we're all in that spot where we're like, oh, this monotone flop, this guy's shoving 2x because he knows I can't call, so I should call, right? Like, it's that leveling war that we were talking about earlier, which is, okay, so he's... You know, that that player, because it is a polarizing, like wh- whether there's a, enough bluffs in the range or not, it's what we would expect to be a polarizing bet. And I think when you're sitting there with King King, you're thinking, well, if this is one of the times when he's bluffing, I've got him beat, <laughs> you know? And the problem is you just don't get to choose which times he's bluffing, which times he's not. Even if he's bluffing sometimes, they're probably not bluffing enough to make it profitable to call compared to the number of times that they're right. bluffing. Right, we, have to, say, we yeah. don't have enough, we don't have enough uh, players that are capable of making that play without having an actual real hand. Right. So at the minimum hand, that guy's going to have is a flush. Now we, yeah, have, we have to have two pair, but right. Right. Cause we yeah. also have to remember this is a three bet hand too. I think like that's also mm. what gets me to this, this like this person pre-flop called our, what, you know, our three bet, and that should have eliminated a lot of those. So that, that's why I like there are very few of those ace of club X combos, right? Like there's maybe ace queen, maybe ace jack. I don't, maybe, maybe they're, maybe ace king. They're, they're just calling a three bet. I, I mean, know, they, they did get to close the action because there was some dead money in the pot too. So like they were getting pretty tempting odds to close yeah. the action with like a suited ace, but, uh, but yes, I, I agree. Right. No, but unsuited. I'm talking about, oh, because, oh, okay. because if they've got, if they have suited clubs, they've got, they've got us beat. Right. So yeah. they, I'm talking about, they have the ace of clubs with a non, uh, you know, an, another suit in there. The, the, it just doesn't seem like there are that many of those left. Mm-hmm. And those, those are the only bluffs I can really, come up with unless they're just like bluffing air 
which seems really risky in a three bet pot that we've shown some yeah. interest in. And so Eric's original question was about bet sizing. So do we get rid of this guy if we three bet bigger mm. pre flop? Is that that's the real question? I mean, he's sitting there with nine seven, right? Right. Yep. How do you get rid of somebody? I mean, what bet size is good enough to get rid of somebody with nine seven if if the bet size we chose wasn't enough? Hmm. The only thing is it. I think your hand is good enough to warrant a bigger bet and you're giving them worse odds towards outdrawing you because I mean the, the smaller you can make the pots to stack ratio when you're so far ahead pre-flop, the better off you are. It's a good point. That's where you want to be with those one pair hands, right? You want to be in a low SPR spot where you can just pull the bluff string and get the chips in the middle. That's all that matters. Um, this is the yeah. only strategy some of us have, uh, but in these, in these, in these high SBR spots where there's a lot of chips behind, you know, having King King, you're not, it, it really just, you might as well just have caught a piece of this flop and have a pair because functionally your hand is the same strength, um, compared to the action that we're seeing here. So it might be, it might be a spot to just kind of consider one of those, like, even in my whole range here, like, where is this in my distribution? Like, is King King actually in a position where I should be calling as a bluff catcher here? Like, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. You might be able to do it better with a hand with even less showdown value, maybe a better blocker or something like that. Kim? I got the sense he was calling because he had the King of Clubs and he was mm -hmm. calling to hit the flush, which with that sizing didn't really have the odds for hitting the flush there. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just wondering if the sizing was different if you would call here, or if you had ace-ace with the ace of clubs, mm. different. Because even with the king clubs, you might already be beat. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Boker is fun, isn't it, folks? <laughs> All right. Well, is there any other, any other uh, feedback we want to give to Eric here, uh, E. Anderson 85, or... Other than excellent choice in imagery, this is very – I'm going to remember this one, Eric. Yeah, those question marks are awesome. <laughs> so if anyone, anyone seen this post, go look at the imagery. It's the best <laughs> imagery post we've had. And, and I try and say this every time. Um, we, we go through the forum post, and we sort of talk about some of the things just to get the conversation going. But you really should go to rec.poker, get a free community account. All it takes is an email address. And then you can go and post in the forums yourself. And you'll see we're just scratching the surface. Some of these posts get really intricate. Um, some of our great posters like ARW and Binkley and uh, Jamel and a few of those other guys that really put in the time here, um, they break this down mathematically. They provide all sorts of great um, details and ways of thinking that we don't get into here. But go to rec.poker and check these out um, on your downtime. You'll get a lot more out of them if you can actually see it all laid out on the page. Uh, so... Barring any other points from the group, it looks like we're going to wrap it up for today. So I would like to thank Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Website Amp, Learn Pro Poker, the small, small business community, Rob Washam, Kim, Chris, John. Thank you, everyone.